Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We exalt you. We lift you high. We look to your word, not as the opinions of men, but that from heaven, that from God. We ask you to give us the grace to align ourselves. We ask you to give us the grace to repentance where it's needed. We just lift our ears to you, Lord, that we'd have ears to hear and hearts to do something. We gird our minds for action. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go. So for those who are visiting, we've uh, been sort of going through a little mini-series within Ephesians chapter 5 into 6 on submission and authority and relationships in the family and Paul's instructions to what those relationships look like. And the necessity for husbands and wives to see God's design for men and women as they enter marriage. And the idea that anything that's a structure designed and made by God has his inherent delegated authority in it. That he doesn't just make something and leave it. There's, there's an authority given in it. And just exploring the, just what the scriptures say. Also with children. Last, uh, last time I shared it was on children and and just the relationship of, of children honoring their father and their mothers. And it actually says this is the first commandment with a promise. It says that in Ephesians chapter 6, New Covenant, New Testament. We know he's quoting from Deuteronomy and, and um, even Exodus. Today we're going to cover one more relationship that might seem kind of strange, but nonetheless I do think there's much in it that we can look at. Uh, we're going to look at a relationship that's between slaves and masters. As I said, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that we in 2023, west coast of Canada, BC, would see as terribly relevant to us. But it's, it's important to remember here when we're reading this book, this letter, that this happened... Uh, this, this, the writing of this letter was around 65 AD, a very long time ago. And if you recall my first intro to Ephesians, we went through the nature of... Am I, should I be changing this? Because it's kind of going in and out. Is that okay? Is that okay? Is everybody good? Okay, it's just me. Um, and I won't go over it, but Ephesus is a very large city. Under Roman rule, you can see there the Roman Empire at its height. Now, scholars estimate about 20% of the population in the Roman Empire were actually slaves. I read somewhere, actually, somebody said 30%. It seemed a little high to me, but what do I know? That's around 50 million people within the Roman Empire were actually slaves. And there was multiple different ways with which they became slaves. You could be born into it. You could become a a slave, a lot of them were slaves because they were conquered people. As the Roman army advanced upon various countries and nations, when they conquered them, they took them as slaves. There's even said that, that um, there, was a, there was merchants and, and slave traders that would follow the Roman army as they were defeating and buy the people that were captured by the Roman army. 
It was very common for slaves to be throughout the empire, and not just the wealthy, but even the middle class. If you, had, if you were caught in a debt that you owed, you could be sold into slavery. Imagine that, you foreclose on your mortgage, and you're actually sold into slavery because of the debts that you owe. As we looked at in the beginning, revival has taken place in this area. It said that Paul's turned the region upside down. God is moving in a mighty way here. We actually have a lot of information on this region. Even in Timothy and in Acts, Ephesus, it all comes together we have, we, we, to see what was going on. Paul stirred it up. What he, Paul was preaching, revival was being let loose here. And as a result, you, you would think that maybe even 20% of the church that was grown and born there were slaves. They were in the congregation. They were with the people, with their slave masters, their masters. So it's an interesting dynamic that Paul had to navigate. And now, how would you navigate it? What letter would you write for those Christians in the audience here, those people here? What would you say to unite these people? Well, this is what Paul says. I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to go through it. Ephesians 6, 5. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from, your, from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to people knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive this back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same thing as to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their, ma- their master and yours is in heaven, for there is no partiality, and there is no partiality with God. Interesting. It is notable that Paul makes no comment on the ethical nature of slavery, but speaks exactly to where people are at. And some of the language that Paul uses here is very familiar to the previous passages that we've looked at in the relationships in the home. It's interesting as you look at, in, start to begin through here, and you look in verse 6, that, that slaves are to treat their masters as though they would treat God, serving Him directly, with sincerity of heart. And in 7 and 8, he goes on to encourage slaves to render their service with kindness. Kindness, that's what goodwill means. Kindness, interesting. With an eye to the future rewards that come with obedience. That's interesting, isn't it? How does your 2023 mindset deal with that? First world, pretty affluent most of us here. I doubt there's much poverty like the third world. It's interesting. Peter also has something to say. It's very similar to this sentiment. Service, be subject to your masters with all respect, but not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are harsh. For this finds favor 
If for sake of conscience towards God, a person endures grief when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure, this finds favor with God. We see in verse 9 that, that Paul turns to the masters and he kind of sobers them up with the reality of the spiritual realm. Don't be harsh and arrogant, he says, essentially here. Understand that before God, there are, you are in the same position as your slaves. In other words, both master and servant are slaves unto God. Now you see a, even, a, a, even a better understanding of Paul's, in Paul's truth that he's, he's writing here in Philemon, where he's trying to bring Onesimus a, 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 to, to reconcile a slave to his master within the church even, appealing to them that they're both the same before God, appealing to forgiveness and grace. Now, if you've heard this preached on before, I think most of us have heard it preached on that we naturally somehow apply this and take this to the, 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 um, the, the as it were, the workplace. Say, well, this is kind of like the workplace. I do think there can be some, some truths here, but I can leave my workplace anytime and I can quit at any time. But I do think there are things that we can garner from it that would be helpful. I know a guy that used to always say he was a slave to the man. So maybe that's in some respects is what he was feeling. And I do think there are things that we can glean from this that any employee needs to be the best employee they can be. They need to show up on time even early. They need to do an honest day's work. They need to honor their employer. They need to stop joining in with the slander against their boss regardless of how bad the boss is. They have to watch their tongue the way it wags. They can't start taking their breaks and stretching them beyond the appropriate amount. They must stand fast to these principles. And we see in turn that the employer should also be one that respects their employees. That they should be careful to treat them well and with respect and give them the wage that they deserve. This is, to me, what I get from this passage. See, Paul addresses people in all circumstances. Have you noticed that? It's amazing to me that he speaks to Romans as they're being persecuted and gives very little amount of time addressing the persecution. Very little. Many of his letters, they're under heavy persecution, even unto death. And Paul even says this, momentary light affliction. I'm like, dude, I just read what happened to you. Shipwrecked, beaten. Momentary and light. Does not compare to the glory that will be revealed. Hmm. That's interesting. So Paul is saying, if you find yourself a slave, whether you feel this to be more relatable to us, but, but in the time of Paul, be the best slave. Like, what? Yeah. Work hard. What? Endure. Yes. Forgo the pursuit of earthly respite. 
and seek that which is from above. Hmm. See, Paul's instruction in this passage are clear, and he's actually just reiterating what Christ himself said. When you come to Jesus, the kingdom is first. I mean, it's quite sobering. Even Jesus stands up and goes, if anyone loves father, mother, children more than me, he's not worthy of me. And you're like, what? His kingdom is first. He wants you to shine in such a way in the workplace with the bad bosses, with the, the ones that take advantage. Can I hear a cactus club up there? Anywhere. Who worked you nine hours straight in the dish pit without any concern whether you got a break, without any concern that you have a hydration. That they would see the good works and give glory to you, no, to the Father. It's always directive. Always directive. Yes, Lord. It's, it, it is Jesus' life that shows us this. He says, if you want to be like me, you must first pick up the cross. If you want to follow me, this is the channel. Paul is clear in most every epistle that he writes that the kingdom is first. Self is down below. Self-preservation self-enhancement. It's just about Jesus. It's not about self. You would think he's going to preach into the situation and he's going to free you and you're going to live your best life now and you come to Jesus and everything's going to be great. He's going to give you tons of money. He's going to give you the best house. You're going to live your best life ever. There's going to be no problems. This is not what he says. He says, while you're in that, you're going to live life and life abundantly where you find yourself, where you meet him, you may still, and you will still have trials. You will still have tribulations. But he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never abandon us in that place. Paul is always exhorting and t- telling people to look forward, to look to the hope that's to come, not the temporal. And as Christians, we can often forego the eternal to embrace the temporal. When Paul is saying, look, you've got to look to the eternal and bring it into the temporal. The vision and the hope that we have. Do I expect blessing? Of course I expect blessing. I expect that God would move in my life. I'm not looking for a poverty spirit. But it's not the focus. It's the kingdom that's sought first and foremost. Seek first the kingdom of God. Paul says this in Romans 14. With the persecutions. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he encourages us to look what is to come, the hope of our calling, the treasure laid up for us in heaven. Paul's motivation was to forego the pleasures of sin. And he was seeking a heavenly Jerusalem. And if you know that scripture, it's Romans chapter 4, where Abraham sought a heavenly Jerusalem. 
We know Hebrews chapter 11, they endured much suffering and hardship, people of faith, because there was a hope to come. Thank you, Lord. Pray for the hope that the treasure that's laid up for us in heaven. Now, we're going to move on from these, these passages around authority and submission into a really interesting part of Scripture that you'd be very familiar with, most of us here. And I'm intrigued to, 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 to see the placement that Paul puts this husband, wife, children, parents, slaves, master, the context he puts it in, what precedes it. I think it's illuminating. I think it's interesting. And it's fundamentally to me why we're fasting and why we're pushing through to God, in particular this month, as we've got Pentecost Sunday coming on the 28th. I think it's very strategic because I think we're desperately need in the Western church to get an understanding of kingdom authority and submission. And I spoke three sermons ago, I think, on that, so I'm not going to go over it again, but it's so important for us to understand this. We must be aware of the authorities in our lives. We must be aware of the tongue that wags. Beware of your heart towards those authority in your life, whether it's government, whether it's boss, whatever it is, be aware of it. Do you slander or do you bless? Do you bless God with your mouth and curse men with your mouth? Can, can salt water and fresh water come from the same source? Do you submit? Is your inclination to submission or is it inclination to rebellion? I'm not asking, by the way, if you agree with them or not. It's a hard issue. You can disagree with your government and be submitted. Children can be submitted to their parents and not agree with them. It is a hard issue. The spiritual realm is all about authority. We are going into spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6. It's going to talk about the principalities, the powers. It's all about authority. And you can huff and puff all you want. You can fast and pray all you want. You can, you can pray the longest, most eloquent prayers. You can read the Bible, but if you're not submitted, you have no authority. It's those who are submitted that walk in authority. These principles cannot be bypassed. There's no passing them. You might have noticed that there's some problems on the planet. I was talking to my neighbor and talking about casting demons. And he goes, what are you talking about demons? And he just has no concept. But he believes in God, but there's no chance of demons. We know otherwise. We know otherwise. And the problems that these people have that you see around us and the, 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 this, this careening towards the edge of destruction, it all has spiritual roots and problems. 
So Paul's going to exhort us. He's going to say, why are you battling against humans, flesh and blood? It's not the battle. The battle is spiritual. And we must enter into that battle with the rules of engagement in Christ, submitted to him. Jesus Christ, when he came, came and dealt with the spiritual root of the issue. That being sin. And as a result, death. And he's calling you and I, his church, to do the same. He's calling us to a place to be active and submitted in his kingdom. There is no profit in trying to do any of this outside of his authority and his power. If we want to have true impact, if we want to walk in true authority, if you want to have transformation in your own life, and the world around you, it is only done God's way. It's only done through His truth and His power and His authority. It is that in submission, and this is the lie of the enemy, it's actually in submission that we are free, that we are powerful. I want you to consider the fast. How is the spiritual life going for you? How are things? Don't ask you how work's doing. Not asking you what your favorite program is. Where are you at? How are things spiritually? Are you seeing what you want to see? Are you content? Are you contained? Are you enslaved? How's the besetting sins? Are they still dogging you? The Holy Spirit, do you hear from Him much? Do you have any desire to read the word? Do you have any desire to worship the living God? When something comes up that inconveniences you, is Jesus the first to go? Is the reading of his words the first to go? When the sun comes out and you could go here or here, easy choice. Jesus, see you later. But when I need something, I'll come to you. I, w- I was running yesterday, and I don't know why when I run, God comes down on me. He speaks to me. I don't know why, because I don't really enjoy running that much. I ride on my trainer, nothing. Work out, nothing. And he really challenged me that, am I preparing the bride to meet Christ Am I aware that each one of us will stand before Jesus Christ and the fire will fall on our lives and what is done of God and done in, in, by His Spirit will remain and what is burnt up is lost? Am I telling the truth in love? And the weight of that just, just was on me. As my own children, preparing my children to one day stand before the Lord. It's a serious business we're in. And I get it. The first world has its distractions. It does, man. I get it. But it's a lie. It is the matrix. Now, forgive me. That, I know that show's not an appropriate show. But the first one, when that guy's eating that meat, he goes, I know it's fake. But it tastes so good. It's deception. You're foregoing that which belongs to God and feeding it on yourself and what that will burn the finances, the time, 
All this stuff is meant to just be offered to him that he might have glory in our lives. It's the highest call. Paul says, I am a slave to Christ. I've been bought with a price. And that is one of the, the, the metaphors that this speaks to Christians that we, like this passage, are slaves. So be a good one. Work hard. Endure. Honor the master, Jesus this is, I, I encourage you, this is the time that we're in. There's so much deception. There's so many good ideas that are not of God. There's so much maligning of the Scripture to fit in with the appetites of the first world. I was talking to somebody recently. They were saying they were tired. Who isn't tired who's doing anything for God? If tiredness is your gauge why you come or you don't come, you're not going to make it that well. Who isn't? Paul did say, I am pursuing, I am pushing. This is the call of God on this church to make impact, to be the body of Christ in this region, not content to not have impact, not content to, see, to not see the scriptures unfold, not content to not see God glorified, that men and women would come from far and wide and meet Jesus Christ, not a religion, but a person. That is the desire. And that we would, as a, as a body, grow together and represent him well. So that on that final day, you and I will stand, as we will stand alone, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did not live for self. You did not give me the, the remains, the crumbs, as it were, that fall from your table to God. But we give the first. We give him central. We give him the first focus and priority. Let's stand together, please. We so honor you, Lord. We lift you high. We exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in this place. We thank you. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you for your calling. Lord, we lift our lives to you. And when we're 85 and we look back, we can almost thank ourselves that we made the right choice to choose first the kingdom. I pray for every heart here, Lord, an adjustment in each of us. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Seek first the kingdom of God. I just pray the courage to make the changes that need to be changed. I just pray, Father, you would draw us in this, this fast that you just break through, Lord God, in lives. I pray where there's, there's, there's people bound in sin, there'd be freedom. People bound in the demonic, there'd be freedom. People bound in sickness, there'd be freedom, Lord. We take you at your word. We refuse to live religious lives, as it were. Human religion. We refuse to go through the motions. We want integrity and deep that we live what we believe, Lord. Guide us, Holy Spirit, into truth all truth. Just move upon us, we ask, Holy Spirit. Just going to ask uh, Anna Mara to, to play a song. Just going to give time. That if God is speaking to you on something, just, just allow it just to, 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 to sort of just grow and germinate a bit. Lord, we need you. No one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. 
we want breakthrough, Lord. We want to be real with you, and you, we want you to be real with us. We long for truth that is from above. Only the truth can set you free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 